We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, we got some weird news to start off with. Uh, Zach Levine is in health and safety protocol. He's not flying with Team USA tonight to Tokyo for the 2021 Olympics. Uh, they're hopeful that he's going to be able to join the team shortly. It's especially peculiar because, of course, Zach missed a significant stretch late in the season after the Bulls traded for Nikola Vucevic when he was in the health and safety protocol. I'm not sure if it was ever like officially reported at a national level, but I think some of the local guys had that Levine was positive for COVID uh, and he contracted it between. He, his first he had to have been. He missed. He missed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I think he had, he was out 11 games. So I feel like he definitely, if it was contact tracing, I don't think it would have been like, he would have missed that much time. So yeah, it was, I think K, the last I saw was like Casey said uh, that he like got the first shot and then he like got it in between that. I don't know if he got the second one or like what, ex- it, it's kind of unclear like what the deal is with him. Because as you said, uh, he's, they're hoping he can join the team, which makes, leads me to believe that it's a, maybe like a Jeremy Grant situation because Jeremy Grant, right. Uh, had to go in the protocols earlier last week after Beal had to drop out. I think Beal Beal probably tested positive since he's not going and he had to go, but they put Jeremy Grant in the protocols for like precautionary reasons. I think hope, I guess that's what they're doing with Zach here. Uh, Like you said, yeah, he had it once already. He missed time. We assume that he is back fully vaccinated at this point. Uh, I don't know like if the, these protocols that USA basketball has, I don't know if they're different than the NBA ones. I haven't like looked into that. Closely, I was just reading through the ESPN article. Again, it's, it's very unclear. Uh, like I said, the fact that they are hoping that he's going to fly later to Tokyo to join the team before the Olympics start, which is on Sunday, first game is against France, leads me to at least believe or hope that he will be able to go. Because uh, it would be a huge fucking bummer if he, right here after playing the four exhibitions, if he won't be able to play because 
I mean, at this point, he might get decent minutes. I mean, he started these last couple of exhibition games. He played really well against Argentina, which we talked about last time. He started slow against Spain. The whole team started slow. And then he had a huge second half, ended up with 13 points, uh, two, a few threes in the fourth quarter, two more awesome dunks uh, in transition. He had a sick alley-oop from, I think that was KD, and he had another one where he just drove right through a guy and punked him, basically dunked right on him. Uh, so he was starting to look a little better. Uh, just a solid last couple games there with Team USA starting to get some momentum. With Beal gone, you figured that would lead to Zach getting more minutes. With Booker, like Devin Booker's coming, but like, I really, I just don't know. Like he says he's still coming. All those guys say they're still coming after these finals, but like, I just don't know how much they're going to like want to play or like have in the tank after playing it, go going through a full playoffs and NBA finals with really intense games. And we'll talk a little bit about the finals. So I just, just right now we're just crossing our fingers that Zach's going to be able to be able to travel to Tokyo later and he'll make it on time. Or at least at some point, even if he like misses the first game, like I'm assuming he can miss early and then show up late. I guess I'm not really sure what they would do with the roster. because like, it's so late at this point. I don't know if they already had, they already added Keldon Johnson and then JaVale McGee uh, to replace Bradley Beal and Kevin Love. So like, I don't know if they would then try to get somebody else. If like, if, if there is, if Zach is still up in the air. So at this point, again, hoping it was really a bu- real bummer to hear that he went into protocols, just hoping that he'll be able to be cleared and be able to play. Was it, I think he'll like, I wasn't expecting him to play that much coming into this whole thing, but uh, I think he might now. So we'll see. Yeah, it's wild. Team USA on the plane going to Tokyo only has eight guys right now. Right. Yeah. Levine being left behind. And then with Holiday, Booker, and Middleton all not being able to go, that includes JaVale McGee and Kelton Johnson, like you said, recently added to the team. And their first games against France. That's a really tough opening game. I believe France beat them for their first loss in the 2019 World Cup. And really since then, USA basketball has sort of been showing – uh, a little bit of weakness on the global stage. So uh, I actually ran a poll right after the Keldon Johnson and JaVale McGee additions were announced. I tweeted out a poll. Who do you have for the gold medal? Team USA or the field? And there was 370 votes. And it was like two thirds voted for the field. And I would have voted for the field too. I, you can't vote in your own poll when you uh, do one on Twitter, but It certainly appears or certainly feels like right now the Team USA is just doesn't have a lot of great vibes around them. I mean, we already saw them lose two of the four exhibition games. They lose their first two. Getting a win over Spain is definitely a good sign, and they did play a little better in that. Uh, You know, Beal was going to be the starting two guard for him. Now he's gone. As you mentioned, I think Zach is definitely in for a bigger role considering Booker's coming off the finals run. Uh, And, you know, when you have Beal, Booker, and Levine all on the same roster, all at two guard, it's like their skill sets are so duplicative. So I was sort of coming into this thinking that Levine was going to be an end of bench player for the Americans. Now Levine's going to be like one of the most important guys on the team. I mean, he was third in scoring in these exhibition games, like behind only KD and Damian Lillard. So you got to figure that, you know, Durant's the top option, then Lillard, then the third option's probably Tatum. And then after that, I mean, Levine is going to have a pretty big opportunity to show that he can score on the national level. And it's going to be fun to watch Zach. Uh, It's weird because, like, I wasn't super excited coming into it to watch Levine just because I assumed he wouldn't play a big role. And now he sort of has to play a big role. Uh, he'll probably start at two guard, wouldn't you say? I mean, depending on Booker, I would assume they yeah. would default to Booker if 
he like I, I, maybe not for that first game. I mean, again, they if this finals it could end uh, tomorrow on Tuesday night in Game Six in Milwaukee. But if it goes seven, Game Seven's on Thursday. The opening ceremonies are on Friday, and like that right. first game is Sunday. Like, is Devin Booker gonna fly to Japan after a NBA, NBA Finals Game Seven and even play at all in that first game? Like, I kind of doubt it. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. So, like, if he doesn't, if they don't go to Booker. Uh, I would guess Zach starts it too. And they kind of, that was what it was like Zach, Dame, Katie, Tatum. And I can't remember who the other starter was against Spain. And I mean, you have like Bam, I guess probably Bam's their big man. So like Bam or Draymond, like, I don't don't know. Something like, something like that would be their starting lineup. I would guess. And you know who else the Bulls have in their group? I'm sorry, the Bulls, who else team USA has in their group? That's the Czech Republic with Tomas Adoransky. So they play, the Czech Republic on Saturday, July 31st. So uh, that's their third game in group play. I believe they also play Iran. So that'll be uh, pretty fun to watch Sato go again. Sato's a a great, he's he's like the the star for the Czech Republic and he's like really good. It's like, where's that aggressiveness uh, in the NBA, dude? I know it's obviously totally different, but uh, he he hit that sick game winner uh, against Canada in the qualifying tournament that moved the... Uh, moved them ahead to the final, and they smoked Greece in the in the final game. Uh, so yeah, Sato's a, a very good international player. Uh, he's like the number one guy on that team. Uh, obviously, uh, they should be no match for Team USA, but I mean, who knows? Like the, the vibes are weird around Team USA. They were they were getting better. It was it was getting better after they beat they blew out Argentina. They played well in the second half against Spain. Spain number two, I think, in the FIBA rankings. Uh, the vibes seem good, and now and then Zach goes into the the protocols, just continuing this whole just kind of weird last week or so. And uh, I guess we talked about this in our last pod, the Kevin the Kevin Love selection, how that was a travesty. Of course, he fucking leaves uh, if they're just looking awful. I uh, said he had the, whatever his calf was still bothering. It just further goes to show, like what the hell was he doing on this roster to begin with? Like he wasn't even healthy. Maybe the calf thing was just a cover up for just like oh he sucks, like he needs to get out of here. Uh, it was like I mean, Keldon Johnson much better than Kevin Love. I mean, you can argue whether Keldon Johnson should be on the team. Uh, that reeks of pop favoritism, but like. Kelvin Johnson in an awesome game against Spain. Uh, and he's, he just plays his role well, playing off the ball, cutting, uh, bringing energy. Like, it's way better than Kevin Love at this point for this team. It's just like, uh, you, you went on that rant last time. It was just like, Kevin Love being on this roster was stupid from the start. It made no sense. So many better options. And, of course, he leaves after, what, two exhibition games, three exhibition games. Because he was awful and hurt, and uh, they needed somebody better in there. Yeah, it's I wish the whole team was made up of guys like Keldon Johnson, you know, like that would be really cool to see not the top level guys, but just sort of like some younger players uh, have an opportunity to play on the global stage. But yeah, it it's crazy for Team USA because it's like if you commit to this team there, you really like if you win, no one's going to give you that much credit right. You should win. You have the best team. So, and then if you lose, it's like you wear this scarlet letter for the rest of your career that you were part of a, you know, USA Olympic team that didn't win in men's basketball. Of course, since NBA players have started playing in the Olympics in 1992 with the dream team, they've won the gold medal seven out of eight times. The only time they didn't, they took home bronze in 2004. That team is just known as an absolute travesty. So, uh, yeah. happen again. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It could absolutely happen again. Yeah. How do you feel right now? Where, what would you have voted in that poll? If you had to pick one for the gold medal, you taking Team USA or you taking the field? 
like, I guess if I saw the, like, if I was betting on it, I guess the field probably is better value. Like, I still think Team USA should win. It just feels like they're going to stumble at some point. Like, maybe they come out and blow everybody out. But it just, like, again, the vibes just seem off with just the weird, I mean, just with the weird roster changes, the early losses. Like, they have looked a little better in these last couple games. But, like, I would, I still think they should win. It just feels like they're going to stumble. Uh, and we still like haven't seen them in a close, like a close, close game since those first couple, and they lost those two close games. Like, will they execute down the stretch in crunch time when the, when that like chemistry and continuity could help? Will they just evolve in iso ball? And, I mean, they could go iso ball and just hit a bunch of tough shots and win games because they have ridiculously talented offensive players. But like uh, in those first couple games, like against Australia and Nigeria, they just they did not come up big in the cr- in crunch time. Their defense was awful. A lot of one-on-one hero ball type stuff. So, like, you just worry about that in a close game when it really matters, like, that they're going to stumble. So, like, I guess I I guess I said, I'm, like, copping out here that I think that they should win, but I kind of am leaning probably towards the field if I, like, had to bet on it, like, gun to my head. Do we know who's on this French roster? Because I think it's all the – I think it's Gobert, Fournier. Gobert's definitely playing. Uh, Uh, So, they got Gobert, Batum, Fournier – our old friend TLC, Frank oh, yeah. Milikina, who I believe is going to be a free agent this summer. So uh, that's, that's a pretty good team. interesting roster. I think if they lose, like if they win the first game, you're going to be feeling a lot better about them. Like that first game against France, I wonder if they'll even be like the underdog on a betting line just because. I, 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 think, I, I think I actually saw they're a huge favorite still. I, I honestly, I'm not even sure. Uh, exactly what the line is but i thought i saw someone tweet that they're like double digit point favorites i think i think the assumption is still that like when the games actually count that there's like talents going to overwhelm but like uh i'm not even sure i could probably i wonder if they have these lines out somewhere they probably do um but i don't know it was like it just kind of it's just i feel like there's kind of just like a disconnect maybe from vegas right now let's see basketball do they even have like olympics on here oh yeah olympics here we go let's see if we got something here here we go. Okay, perfect. Yeah, they're a 14-point favorite against France. Very interesting. That seems that seems that seems ridiculously high. I mean, they beat Spain by seven, they beat Argentina by almost 30, and then they obviously lost two of their games. So, like, it seems like a big number. Like, I would probably bet France to, to cover that spread. <laughs> and what do we think about Zach's availability for that first game? Right. I mean, that's what it's literally in six days now. Uh, if he, I guess I just don't know like what the protocols are for these, for these Olympics. Like, I mean, Jeremy Grant missed no games because that Australia game was, was canceled. I think he probably would have missed that game if that wasn't canceled, but then he went into protocols and was out of them and played against Spain, like what, three, four days later. So if it's something similar, maybe, I mean, maybe Zach flies out Thursday or Friday and is able to go. So I guess that's just what I'm hoping for. I, I can't certainly, I'm just speculating. I can't say for sure. I have zero inside information, obviously. Just like, that's just me hoping that he'll be ready to go based on based on the Jeremy Grant timeline, that, that it's something similar. And there's been a ton of positive COVID cases in the run-up to the Olympics. Katie Lou Samuelson, a former Sky draft, first-round draft pick, she was going to be on the three-on-three team. She tested positive. Apparently, there were some positive tests on the U.S. gymnastics team. So. Coco Goff, Goff, whatever. I don't know how yeah, to say her name. She's a tennis, American tennis player tested positive, and she's out. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, and these Olympics are going to be, they just seem like they're going to be messed up, especially with all the, like this variant running wild. And like, I think it's not going well in Japan. It just seems like it's a kind of a mess. It wouldn't surprise me if like there will, especially, I mean, just the Olympic village, you got all these people together. Hey, got, why is this happening? Yeah. Who really wants this to happen? I mean, I know that you have these athletes working their whole life to get this. Right. Path, and that's always the best part about the Olympics, right? It's like the stories of the athletes who don't get coverage the rest of, you know, the, the other three and a half years until they run up to the Olympics. But, uh, God, it just seems like we're still not out of the pandemic, out of the pandemic yet. And as much as we all want this to be over, it just seems like a really, really bad idea to be doing this. So let's hope, let's hope it, let's hope it goes off, I guess, mostly without a hitch. I feel like there will, again, there will be more positive tests. I'm assuming I'm assuming people will have to pull out of their events and all that. Just, I guess you just hope that there's nothing really bad that ever, that happens uh, with this, with this still going on. So. I guess that's all we can really say. It sucks. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I guess let's move on from Team USA stuff. Uh, quick Bulls. Uh, obviously, again, no first-round draft pick, but we got the draft coming up. That's next week. Uh, free and then free agency basically starts a couple days after that. Uh, I think with the draft is the 29th and then free agency, I believe opens August 2nd. So again, that's basically a couple days later on, I think that next Monday, uh, we did talk briefly about like the Lonzo stuff that's been out there. Dennis Schroeder, uh, there was a tidbit in Matt Moore's most, uh, recent column, uh, at the action network over the weekend, a little blurb about the bulls, uh, basically that he said, reporting that they're planning on being big spenders at guard. Uh, He had Lonzo's name out there again, Dennis Schroeder again. He also threw out someone we've talked about a bit, Kyle Lowry, and then Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, we've talked about all these guys. Obviously, we've been uh, waiting for the Bulls offseason for a while now. We've we've gone through these guys. It was interesting to hear, though, um, or to read that man more brought up Kyle Lowry. I think this is the first time where we've actually seen, like, an actual Lowry mentioned somewhere with the Bulls. Uh, He also brought up, like, the Sixers – uh, the, the Pelicans were report. He reported the Pelicans and then uh, Mark Stein also brought up the Pelicans as a Lowry uh, suitor. I think the heat were the other one. Uh, I guess the Pelicans in there being in there is interesting. Cause obviously if they're going to sign Kyle Lowry and that opens up Lonzo to the Bulls. So like depending on what happens there, that obviously could have some uh, an impact on the Bulls, depending on where, where Kyle Lowry chooses to go. Um, so I guess it's very interesting that Kyle Lowry's name was finally brought up again. That's someone we talked about quite a bit. 
Uh, I know you had that one pod where you were like get, talking yourself totally into signing Kyle Lowry to a two-year whatever deal. I mean, I mean, I, I'd be all for it as well. I mean, if they're trying to maximize these couple of years with Levine and Vucevic to see how, like how you can go forward, uh, Kyle Lowry would be a great option. He would just bring a lot to the, uh, just winning mentality, toughness. The point guard just he knows how to play. Just like he would make the Bulls a lot better as long as he's healthy. Obviously, he's a little on the older side. You worry about that and like injuries and stuff, just the, the miles that he's racked up in his career and the way he plays, obviously just like all over the place. Yeah, he's, he's taken a beating in his career and he's small, but like if the guy's healthy, he is going to help you win games and he would make the Bulls a lot better. So like I'd be all for Kyle Lowry on a short-term deal. But like the Bulls connection to Kyle Lowry is still pretty like loosely yeah. sourced. I would say we love our yeah. boy Matt, but that hasn't been reported in uh you know by the national reporters meanwhile you know the bulls interest in alonzo ball has hit like the shams level and stuff so i think that with the pelicans interest in lowry being a little bit more serious reported by mark stein you know i immediately connected that to like well now let's see what it's going to cost to get lonzo in chicago and Stefan no did a great little piece on how the bulls can get lonzo there's a few different avenues they can go about doing it check that out on his newsletter, uh, that seems like it's going to be something that's going to be at the top of the Bulls' priority list. Is come out and go get Lonzo Ball. I, I'm fine with it. I mean, we've been talking about it for so long. long time. Point, we t- I think both of us are just once. like, just give us something at this point. Like we've been sort of sitting here post trade deadline, speculating about the exact same things ever since the Bulls' season right. sort of crumbled with Levine entering health and safety protocol. So. What I really want to see out of the Bulls going into this offseason, I don't have like a big plan of like guys I want to see them target in free agency or in trades. What I do think is going to happen is that uh, I think it's it's pretty likely there's going to be a lot of player movement this summer via trades uh, because there's not a ton of teams with cap space. There's not a particularly noteworthy free agent class. I think you look at what's happened in the playoffs this year with the Suns and the Bucks, both making unexpected runs to the finals. I think that, you know, that sort of gives the rest of the league confidence. Like, why not us? The Suns hadn't made the playoffs since 2010. Now they're two wins away from a championship. Uh, the Bucks were a team where obviously when you got Giannis, you're pretty much going to be competing for championships every single year while he's still in his prime. But, you know, they still f- uh, flunked out of the playoffs in the second round of the bubble. They definitely looked like a huge underdog to the Nets who won the first two games of that series. So I'm kind of thinking like both of these teams being in the finals shows the, it's like proof of concept of the old Daryl Morey quote, which is if you have a 5% chance to win the championship, you got to go for it. And, you know, Morey's teams in Houston never reached this level of making it to the finals. They also ran into an absolute juggernaut Warriors team and they didn't get the good luck like the Raptors did of playing the Warriors when they were injured. They had the bad luck uh, with CP3 getting hurt in whatever yeah, game, they had five, CP3 game six, whatever that was. Of course, in that series, he didn't play in game seven when they also shot like absolutely horribly. This 27 straight threes. Uh, so I think that there's the Bulls, given what we saw from Karnaschovas, at the trade deadline where he just pulled all these moves out of nowhere, basically. I think that that's sort of my expectation coming into this offseason. Like, surprise me, Karnaschovas. I just want to see activity. I want to see aggressiveness. And 
I have a very open mind to see what's back to the tra- back to the trade deadline. I've seen some people talk about this, just especially with the Dame stuff coming. Like he, Dame says, there was the report out there that Dame uh, was going to request a trade in the coming days. He addressed that that day. This report was from Henry Abbott of Troop. Uh, he addressed it that day. Said no, that's not true. But then he also kind of just like left it open, where he's like, you know, I really haven't decided my future yet. I mean, it seems like the writing is on the wall there, where it's either if he's not asking for a trade this offseason, which I would still guess he probably doesn't that like they have to make big moves. It seems like CJ McCollum is going to get traded probably. Right. Uh, I feel like you tweeted that. So, yeah, I think you tweeted that during that Dame press conference uh, that if they don't make a big move, like either big moves now or whatever, they, they flame out again next season that he's out there. Like this is, I feel like he's, this is their, his warning shots to them that like, this is it for you guys. This is your last chance to like build a real contender on me. Uh, if it doesn't happen this year, I'm out next year. That's what it feels like. But I, with this, just all this Dame stuff going around, uh, the conversation has come up like, and we've talked about obviously the Vucevic trade, that do you feel the Bulls rushed into giving up whatever, what, all they did for Vucevic, should they have like waited? Like, Do you think it's smart to like wait, hold the chips and wait uh, and like wait for somebody like Dame to like, I, I feel like that is kind of dangerous because I've seen people talking about that. And I feel like it's dangerous, especially given like the Zach situation, the timeline, the bulls are on. Like, I feel like it's somewhat dangerous to just be like, I'm not going to make this like big trade now just because I think maybe in like a year or two, like somebody else better will come along. I understand it. Uh, I understand people being frustrated. The bulls, I like, can't make like a huge Godfather offer for Dame that can match up with what other teams can because they gave up these with the two picks for Vucevic an older player. I mean, Dame's not that young either, but I mean, I think they're around the same age, but uh, obviously Dame is on a whole nother level than Vucevic. So at this, like, were, did, did you ever think, were you ever thinking about that after like with all this Dame stuff going crazy? They're like, Oh, like, I really wish the bulls wouldn't have made the Vucevic trade. Like they should have waited. They shouldn't have pulled the trigger on it. They should have uh, held their, held their trade chips for a bigger trade like that. That was always the question, Jason. It's not like, was it stupid to trade for Vucevic? It's not like, was the process behind trading for Vucevic short-sighted? It was, is this the right guy yeah. cashing your assets for? That was always the, the big question from the moment they made the trade. Now, star players have so much power in these situations. Like yeah. Lillard, I think coming into this year, he's got four years left on yeah. his team. I believe. Right? I think he's, he, the last might be a player option. Possibly, I'd have to look that up again. But like, yeah, he's basically got almost his full contract still to play out. So he's going to play out this season with Portland. It sure seems like yeah. it to me, at least, even yeah. though there's still a lot of smoke about him potentially get it, getting traded in the offseason. But then, like, Lillard, the, the Blazers, if Lillard comes to the Blazers and says, I want to be traded, it's almost certainly not going to be an open bidding war for his services. He's probably going to dictate the terms of what he wants and they're going to try to do right by him. I mean, we see this over and over again. Uh, Obviously there's exceptions. I don't think Kawhi wanted to go to the Raptors, but Kawhi just wanted to get out of San Antonio. He wasn't like, yo, get me to this specific destination. We saw Harden even put some pressure uh, on Houston to go specifically to Brooklyn. I think while that was playing out. So the thing with the, going after Lillard is like, he's got to want to come to you. I yeah. feel. And yeah, it would have been nice to like throw four draft picks, I guess, like make a James Harden style offer for him. But you know, Lillard, he's older than you think he is. He's already 30 or 31. He's going to play out another year in Portland. It's a very, very and bad defensive player. 
he is a terrible defensive <laughs> player. He's just an awesome offensive player. <laughs> that 55 point performance. I mean, uh, if I, put it, I would put all those, I would, I would try to trade for like, I would put all that trade stuff on the table for him. Like they'd be really fun. Even if that defensive backcourt, I mean, it'd be very similar like issues with what you're having in Portland. I mean, Zach and Dame, probably a little higher ceiling offensively. Uh, I mean, but the Blazers had like, I was looking at the, I think stats recently, like the Blazers, I think had like a 120 offensive rating in that series against Denver. And their D rating was like 122 or 123. It's like you would run into this very similar issues with the Dame Zach backcourt as you do, as you do with the Dame CJ thing, but I would still probably do it just because Dame's fucking awesome. Even if he's a bad defensive player, but yeah, just like circling back on the philosophical question at the heart of that, uh, I think that when there's a move in front of you that you think is a positive value, you just got to go make it because, you know, always chasing the next like theoretical star to become yeah. available just with the way the league works. Typically, the stars sort of pick where they want to go, or at least they dictate the terms of what a potential deal is yeah. going to look like. Uh, now, that isn't to say that, like, there's some major question marks about Vucevic. I thought Vucevic was pretty awesome from when he got on the Bulls. Really, my... I just wish they didn't trade the 2023 pick, like even surrendering the eighth pick this year. uh, You got to be thinking like whatever they surrender in 2023, Lord willing is not going to be as high as the number of the overall pick. Right. But I'd almost be fine with just surrendering the pick this year and keeping the 2023 pick just so that you could trade the future picks. Because now they're in a move where they can't trade 2022. They have to stick with their pick because of the Stepien rule. And then they also can't trade 2023 because they traded the 2024. Or 2024. <laughs> I think if their next pick they can trade is 2025, right? Why can't they trade 2024? Because they're getting up 2023. So you can't trade both of those. Oh, that well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, so saying. they literally, they can't, can't the next first. Yeah, it's 2025, I think, is the next first they can trade. Yeah, they gave up 2023. Right. Yes. You're right. So right. I'm saying exactly. they can't trade 2024. Exactly. Now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it just sort of complicates the bulls position in terms of trying to swing a big deal for a star. Now, if they get a first round pick back somehow, then they could still trade it. I think yes. like, I, then could they trade a 2024 pick? There's I think so. I believe so. Around all of this. Yeah. So, uh, but the point is that, in making that deal for Vucevic, the Bulls limited not only the future assets of, you know, what they had available in the trade. It's like you also limit what you can trade. So it'll be interesting, but we never saw the full version of Zach and Vooch unleashed and definitely a pressure packed off season for Karnaschovas. I hope he feels some heat. I hope he feels some pressure because last year he chose to sit it out. I think that, we did see a lot of urgency in him at the trade deadline, but urgency is going to be a very key word for him during this period because the roster has a long way to go before it can be competitive at any sort of legitimate level. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I will bring up the offseason stuff. We're going to re- finish wrap up here, talk about the finals offseason stuff. Uh, just wanted to point out that Zach did an interview with Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago on like their Bulls podcast. Uh, go check that out. A lot of good stuff. He just answered a lot of questions. He was hyping up Patrick Williams, uh, just talking about the team. He was talking about his contract situation. Uh, he obviously understands that uh, the situation the Bulls are in, in terms of like, them using like cap space to renegotiate and extend. I think he really, he obviously realizes he's not a dumb guy that uh, that could be difficult because if they want to get better, uh, they might not be able to, I think there are possibly, I'd have to look at the really have to dig into the numbers again, but they might be able to like 
open up enough space where they can like tr- maybe get Lonzo. If like Lonzo took Lowry's like basically Lonzo took Lowry's cap holds like 20 million. If you put like Lonzo into that spot instead, uh, you'd have to obviously get rid of some guys. I think Thad and Sato have to be gone. You might be able to sign Zach to his extension, like a max extension this off season and still get Lonzo again. I don't have the math in front of me. I have to do that again, but uh, I think he does. He, he, I mean, he gave your general answer. Like, you know, I think it's going to work out as it is. Like I, I, he did. I mean, he wanted to, he said, yeah, I want to be in Chicago. Guys said that all the time. You never really know that you take it with a grain of salt. They're, they're going to say the right things. He always says the right things. Uh, but just wanted to point that out. I don't know if you read all that interview, if you had any thoughts on that, but it was just good just to see Zach uh, kind of open up about a lot of these topics and just he addressed his future. Yeah, we want Zach around. We yeah. want Zach to be locked up, uh, and we want him to be recruiting some of maybe some of his teammates. Our yeah. team was saying we don't want him to get recruited away. Absolutely. That's the other sort of scary thing about him being part of the Olympic roster. Yeah, absolutely. Let's finish up here some quick NBA Finals talk. We got game six. In Milwaukee, the Bucks have a chance to wrap up this series, win their first NBA championship in 50 years. They've won three games in a row after losing the first two. Uh, Giannis has been absolutely incredible. He should be finals MVP easily if they win it. There's a lot of stupid bullshit going on around NBA Twitter, apparently, about Giannis. Uh, some weird stuff about Devin Booker, too. Uh just like, but I feel like this, and I feel like this series in general, like I feel like I've seen some people complaining about the series because I think it's whatever, that's the Bucks and the Suns, whatever, people don't care about them. This series has been incredible. I mean, the last two games have been all you can really ask for in NBA Finals games, just competitive, high-level basketball. The shot making in game five was absolutely absurd. Both teams, like if you want to complain about defense, look, whatever. I feel like these guys were just hitting ridiculous shots. Drew holiday was went off. Obviously I mentioned Giannis, uh, the drew holiday lobbed Giannis. Absolutely iconic play. The Giannis block from the, I think that was the game before an iconic play. Uh, it's been, and Giannis has just been a treasure to watch in these, in these finals, this entire playoff run has been an all time run and his press conferences are hilarious. He's a, he's such a fucking goofball and it's a dork. Uh, I've, I've really just enjoyed these finals. Uh, I had the Suns in seven. I've, we've talked about this. I pr- I can probably leaning towards the Bucks closing it out tomorrow night now. But uh, what is your take takeaway from what you've seen in these finals? I think I said I think they've been awesome. Such a great series. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, the Suns just too small inside for Giannis. I mean, they basically only have DeAndre Ayton that they can throw at Giannis after the Saric injury and. That's how injury has really proved to loom large. I think the Suns have a definite hole at backup center. The Suns are getting killed when Devin Booker's off the floor. Chris Paul, while he ended the last game with a pretty decent stat line, like he just wasn't, he hasn't really been able to create offense at the same level he was able to earlier in these playoffs. And then for the Bucs, it really comes down to can they get Middleton and Holiday playing well at the same time? Because you know Giannis is going to bring it every night. That's been the case throughout the playoffs and especially in these finals. Giannis has just been phenomenal. But we've seen wild swings and variants on the play of both Holiday and Middleton. Now, I've been hard on Holiday after he had the four for 20 shooting game. I think that was in game four. Uh, and they you know, still won. <laughs> they, they still won. And his defense has been awesome. And I, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I took the words out of my mouth. His yeah. defense has been incredible. He's playing, you know, basically full court press defense on Chris Paul, hounding him up and down the court, even when he's just trying to dribble past half court. Uh, Holiday's defense has been awesome. And the fact that, you know, they can swing him between Booker 
and CP3. Even when Booker's gotten hot, and some of that has come, uh, some of that's come against Holiday, but you know, it's just Booker like, hits tough shots. That, that's what he does. Super, yeah. super, super tough shots from mid range. The Bucks aren't letting the Sun shoot any threes, which has really been a huge factor in the series. The Bucks have kind of cut off all the easy threes that CP3 and Booker typically create for Bridges and Crowder. Uh, I mean, you're seeing a Suns team right now that just seems like it's so reliant on Booker going for 40 every night. Obviously, he's done that the last two games. Can you count on him to do it again in game six? And then on the flip side, you got, you know, our Holiday and Middleton also just going to bring it offensively because we've seen them have so many off nights throughout this deep playoff run. I'm going to say right now, I'm leading Phoenix in game six. And I would take Phoenix in seven. Personally, I'm rooting for the Bucs, but I think the Bucs margin for error is still really, really small. And I guess like the Suns margin for error has become smaller given that CP, as the series is worn on, is not playing like the same guy. He's got the wrist injury. He's got a hand injury. And we've seen him at times in this series, you know, just struggle to create separation the same way he's been able to uh, throughout the postseason. But CP did start to catch fire towards the end of the last game. I think that, you know, the Suns were right there in that game. Right? I mean, the last like they, two games, the last two games were total, total toss-ups. The Suns should have won game four. Uh, they, I think they lost the game while shooting like over 50% and the Bucks like barely were over 40%. They got the glass. You mentioned the small, the size factor. The Bucks have just crushed them on the glass in that game four. Uh, and the Bucks just came up with the big baskets at the end of the game. We had the honest block. I mentioned there was that, I think, inbound steal, uh, that was it turned into an easy dunk on the other end. It's like the Suns have been right there. I mean, th- again, these games, a lot, most of these games have been toss ups. There have been a couple blowouts, but like the last couple total toss ups, they could definitely go either way. Like, w- would it surprise me if the Suns did come back and win the next two? Absolutely not. Like, I probably should just stick with that because I've been sticking with them in seven the whole time. And that's like what I kind of want to happen. We <laughs> see so it would win me money, but like, uh, it just kind of does feel that like the Bucks are good. I mean, they should close it out, I guess. But I mean, winning four straight games against a really good team like the Suns is really hard. So, like, it's tough to say. Like, to, like uh, tomorrow, I'll probably bet on the Bucks to win just because I've been betting on the home team like every game in this series. Is, I think like, the Bucks have only lost one home game throughout the playoffs. Yeah, yes. So the Bucks are awesome at home. They're apparently going to have sixty-five thousand people yeah. outside of the stadium tomorrow. It's be a madhouse. Yeah. Totally crazy, but there is just a ton of pressure on the home team to close it out when they have their only opportunity. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the trophy is going to be in the building. Yep, People are going to start, you know, they're going to see the championship hats and the championship shirts, and it's like, all right, you still got to get this one. Yeah, And for them to get it, it has to be Holiday and Middleton bringing it at a high level offensively. And then even like Pat Connaughton and Portis off the bench have been hitting big shots for him. So uh, what's so remarkable about the uh, remarkable about the Bucks in this series is that, you know, we've seen throughout the playoffs they struggle so much to score in the half court, but their offense has still been awesome in the playoffs because they're killing it on the offensive glass. They're getting more free throws, and their offensive efficiency is just really high. Middleton's been hitting tough shots the last couple games in the half court. Uh, Giannis, they just have no answer for Giannis. He seems like he's coming. He's like getting 30 from the moment he steps on the floor, right? Like that's where his average is this series. It seems like so, uh, a really fun series from an X's and O's perspective. I can't wait to watch game six. I'm pulling for the bucks. I got a soft spot for the city of Milwaukee. I got, I love, 
Giannis. I think that Giannis has reached a zone where uh, I think, you know, our boy Brian Charter, who was on the podcast a few few weeks ago, he said that Giannis is unslanderable. That's that's how I feel about Giannis, too, honestly. It's like the dude catches so much flack for not having a crossover or a three-point shot. He's got no bag. No big man. No big man before him has ever caught (laughs) flack for those same things, right? So when you factor in that he's the best defensive player in the league, just an absolutely incredible defender near the rim, really good on the perimeter. And then offensively, it's like the dude's just scoring 30 every single game, no matter what. What an incredible player and incredible talent. Still only 26 years old. And he's truly on a path to be, you know, the best player of this era. Like, let's, if he can get this ring. He's already yeah. got the two MVPs. He's on a historic, historic plane. Yeah. If they he win, he's getting right. finals MVP. Like, don't give yeah. me the Middleton's been great. Don't give me the Middleton bullshit. Like, Giannis is averaging like 30, like 12. I mean, this playoff run, he's averaging like th- 29, like 13 and five and like one and one, like steal and blocks. Like, actually all-time playoff run. And this was like after we were, yeah. People are, I, and I've done it too. I mean, just like shitting on him for whatever. Can't shoot the free throw stuff. He's he doesn't have his bag. He doesn't have a bag. Uh, he's just absolutely murdering in the paint every single game and putting up like thirty, like easily. Like even when we, we were, even when that slander was like hit really high, like and like that, uh, and like that net series, like early earlier in the playoffs, like he was still putting up like huge numbers. It's just that because of like the, the ugly stuff, like late in games and the, the bad free throw stuff, like. It's just so it's just he's a nitpick, nitpick that kind of stuff, but uh, I mean you you zoom out and you just look at everything he's done just consistently over this whole playoff run, and then the the clutch plays both ends of the court. Uh, I mean he's easy finals. I mean I would almost argue he could be Finals MVP even if the Suns won in seven. Obviously that they probably wouldn't do that, but Booker has been good enough to win if the Suns, you know, if, you know if the Suns win that game four. Or even game five, Booker was just so tremendous in both of those games. He would have a case yeah. for finals MVP. Now the stat came out today that Booker does not have an assist yeah. in the fourth quarter of yeah. the finals. I think he only passed the ball four times in the last game in the fourth quarter. So, you know, Booker, while he's been incredible scoring the basketball, like he has a long way to go too. I do think it's a lot to ask. Like some people are just expecting him to be CP3 as a playmaker. It's like that's not ever going to be his game. For what he is, Booker has been tremendous yep. uh, in this moment. So, yeah, can't wait. Game six, dude. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it should be fun. All right, we should wrap it up here. Um, uh, good stuff, obviously. I'm going to cross our fingers for, for Zach Levine, uh, hopefully game uh, for Team USA for game six. That's tomorrow night. I think we're probably going to do one more. We'll have a green room, Spotify green room pod also later this week. Uh, probably after game six, we'll either be previewing game seven or we'll be talking about the end of the NBA season, looking ahead to the Olympics. We'll see if we get any more information on Zach uh, looking ahead, maybe to draft stuff. Uh, we'll see if there are any more bulls rumors that come out and all that fun stuff. Again, the draft is next week. So uh, we'll see what happens over the next couple of days. Again, game six should hopefully be a lot of fun. We'll see what goes there. But uh, again, that'll be later in the week. We'll do a green room for sure. We'll uh, let you guys know on Twitter when that'll be exactly. I think it'll probably be Wednesday for right now. Uh, probably around lunchtime in the afternoon, I think we're planning on. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next time for that. Uh, so for us here at Cash Considerations, as always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network and all the great Blue Wire crowds, all, pods all across the network. Uh, we got our great Bucks and Suns pods. Please go check those out. We got the Eurostep for the Bucks, We got the Timeline for the Suns, and then all the other great NBA pods and all the other great just pods in general across the Blue Wire, Blue Wire Network. 
For us here at Cash Considerations, as always, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, and you can follow us on Twitter as well. And then also hit us up there if you have any any feedback. Uh, I am at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. So again, we'll talk to you guys next week on a Spotify or this later this week, probably when, uh, Wednesday right now in a Spotify green room. We'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.